Greetings. Welcome to In Conversation with Trevor, brought to you by Heart and Soul Broadcasting Services. I go beyond the headlines and beyond the sensational. Today I'm in conversation with Bruce Grobler, retired professional footballer, consultant and coach. If you enjoy this conversation, remember to press here and subscribe, like and share. Grobler, welcome to In Conversation with Trevor. Trevor, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Well, you know, you 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 have no idea the honor that you've given us, uh, Bruce, uh, agreeing to talk with talk to us uh, rather. So uh, let me start you with something that you won't remember. So Highlanders has won it a a, um, uh, a football tournament tournament, and I'm I'm in Bulawayo. I think I'm about six years old or seven years old, and you guys get driven by uh, uh, Porsche cars to Marisha Cocktail Bar in Magwego, and some <laughs> of us are running barefoot to go and see Bruce Grobler. Bruce, that's the effect that you had on young Zimbabweans. What, what goes through your mind when you look back to where you started and where you are right now, Bruce? Trevor, when I look back on my journey and uh, where I first started with Salisbury Kelly's, now, I have conversations with people all over the world, and they think that I'm talking um, just uh, fabricating of, of, of my journey. And when I tell them that uh, Salisbury Kelly's was an all-white team, and mm-hmm. we, they didn't play in an all-white league. They played in an African league. And it was revolutionary in Africa because the, the, the club, Salisbury Kelly's, wanted to know how the African people work. So they Mm. decided to go into that league to find out and to integrate with the Africans of Zimbabwe. When I left, I went to um, Matabililand Highlanders. I didn't know that I was going to be, in my debut, the only white person in the stadium. (laughs) So, yes. And, and the funny thing is, when, when the week before my debut at, uh, at Barber Fields, I was training there at Barber Fields for three, to- three times that week. And on the third mm. time of that week, uh, leading up to my debut, I was riding my bicycle and I got over the, that river going into uh, Nzilikazi. And yeah. a, policeman, a white policeman stopped me and said, excuse me, young man, you cannot go in there. It's too dangerous for you. And when I said, well, where were you two days ago when I was coming this way again, when I was training here? So he followed me. And when he saw all the little African pickanins running after me, shouting, jungle man, jungle man, he turned the car around and went back because he (laughs) he knew I was safe. So you were already jungle man at that time, Bruce? (laughs) The the Inderbelly people uh, gave me that nickname when I played for Salisbury Callies against Matt Billerland Highlanders when uh, Callies beat Highlanders 3-1 in the rain. Uh, they mm. said, ah, this is not a white boy. 
This is a black boy <laughs> in a white man's skin. <laughs> what what did that make you feel like? I mean, what what went through your mind when these black people say this is a a black boy in a white skin? Listen, for me, it was an honor. Uh, you you must understand that when I went to uh, when I went and joined Matabeleland Highlanders, my mother and uh, my stepfather made me read uh, the history of the African people. So I I knew what type of people these people are, and I they said never ever think of them as something lower than you. If you mm. if you uh, take to them as if they are just human beings, you will be okay. And that is what I've mm. done in all my career. Whenever you go to other countries, you you don't. Uh, rubbish their their religion and their color or their their the culture you actually embrace their culture embrace their their their, their human spirit mm. the the fascinating thing about you bruce is that you were actually very good you were, you were a talented cricketer and uh you actually got a bo- baseball scholarship what what made you stick with football and not uh, do cricket and uh, and uh, uh, the baseball scholarship? Well, you see, the thing is, Trevor, when you go to to school and then you get conscripted in the army, and then you're doing things that uh, in the army that uh, you, you are told to do. It's it's very difficult when you come out of the army, go to South Africa, and start playing baseball again to get a scholarship. And uh, which means you have to go back to college. Now, I should have actually gone back to college because maybe I would have been in a, in a better position than I am today. But in, in hindsight, I thought football would be my out in, in the world, so to speak. And funny mm-hmm. things happened. I came out of the Rhodesian bush, went to South Africa, and I was only there 18 months, and I was playing football for Durban City and Amazulu mm. in the mainstay. Mm. And I got my call-up papers in South Africa. Wow. And I said to someone that I was living with, no, 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 I've done my two years in the Bush War. I don't want any, any, more, any, any other war. And they said, no, 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 six months' time, I'm going to go to, go to Angola. Mm. So... A friend of mine, uh, Harry Weir, he got me a a scholarship. Well, not a scholarship. He got me a trial to go to West Bromwich Albion. So I, mm. I immediately jumped on the airplane and got came over to the UK. Unfortunately, I couldn't get a work permit then. It, let's go to the you know being uh, conscripted, conscripted rather to serve. In the army, well, what, what memories do you have of of, of that, Bruce? Uh, anything that you you can share, and what scars do you have uh, that have remained with you, Trevor? You know, when you when you say to your mother when you come uh, when you've done your O levels, I said I said to my mother, "Mum, I'm going to become a goalkeeper," and mm-hmm. she said, oh, "Okay, which team?" I said, "Matibililand Highlanders," and she said, mm-hmm. "No, no, no, you better phone the the Salisbury Callies." to see where you've been sold to. So I phoned them up and they told me that I was, I was, I, I'm being sold to Chibuku. Mm. 
Chibuku Shumba. I didn't want to go to Chibuku Shumba. But Jack, Jack Meager was there and he bought me. And I was there for about uh, six weeks. And I told the Jack, well, no, I was over there six months, sorry. And yeah. uh, in, the, in the season, Posani Sapanda was playing. I was playing. We were both Rhodesian international footballers. And he mm-hmm. played Posani Sabanda more times than he played me. When, when, mm-hmm. when, we, when we lost, when I was in goal, they switched to Pasani. When they lost with Pasani Sabanda, he gave him another chance instead of switching again. So I told him, he mm. can, I don't want to play for him anymore. So I went back to Bulawa, walked into mm-hmm. my mother's shop, and she said, uh, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go to Durban now. Mm-hmm. She said, no, you're going to go to the barracks to find out when you're going to get called up. Wow. And then I walked in there, and I gave my name, and they said, uh, six weeks' time, your, your call-up will be. I looked at my mother, and I said, in six weeks, I'll be surfing in Durban. <laughs> and to which the sergeant major turned to my mother and said, but there is one going in tomorrow morning. Wow. And then she made me sign it. How she old were you? I was 17. So you got signed into into the army? Into the army, 17 to 19, and then I came out when I was 19. Mm. And my question there, Bruce, is any, any scars, any any memories that you have that you are at liberty to share at all? Yes, uh, I suffered from PTSD many, many times. And uh, mm. friends and colleagues of uh, army colleagues that have perished, I still go through those memories. Also, you must understand, we had a houseboy called Ramik. Mm. He had two sons, Fanweri and Gordon. Mm. And when I came home once from the, the bush, uh, Gordon told me that he had joined the Freedom Fighters. Mm. And we sat and we ate lunch. Wow. And when I was ready to go back to the bush, I said, I said to him, if we meet in the bush, you know, we might not uh, be as friendly. And he said, yes, I might have to shoot you if we see each other. And we shook hands. We shook hands and we went up way, different ways. When I came back from the bush, the next time found out that Gordon had been killed in the, in the Rhodesian War. And you know what? We played together since I was six years old. Mm. You think that that, that is, that's a difficult uh, journey to go through. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Bruce, so you, you become a hero to some of us playing for Highlanders Football Club. Your uh, antics, your being jungle men, your being like uh, uh, a gorilla in front of that goal. Um, walk us through what were the highlights for you as you're playing for Highlanders Football Club. The Highlanders Football Club taught me a lot uh, off the field as, as well as on the field. Silas Nglovo was a great, great uh, manager. We had the likes of Twyman Mabaleka. We had uh, uh, Lofty Piri. We had Buti Fanaz. Mm. Uh, Zenzo Nglovo. Um, 
Uh, we we had some some great great players, and you know, Bruce, as you are, as you are talking like that, Bruce, I'm having goosebumps because these are people that uh, <laughs> you know we 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 hear worshipped in the townships, and for you to be walking me down memory line like this is absolutely precious, and I'm sure a lot of our viewers all over the world uh, will be having the same response. Uh, please uh, go on, Bruce. And and these these players that uh, that helped me blend in and. Uh, nurtured me they were they were absolutely fantastic people you know and and you you look at life today and uh, how the world has actually changed and uh, you know in in all those years back there in the 70s when i played for there in in Mzilik, in uh, Fields and Mzilik, Baba Fields in Mzilik, yeah. yes and it, it was just a beautiful, beautiful time. And I used to ride my, my bike all the way to Morningside, you know, after games. Uh, you know, Buti Vanas sometimes said, ah, put your bike in. You know, you've done a good job today. Let's go. And he used to take me home. And uh, Silas and Lovu, he says, right, let's go. We're going to go to uh, the Marisha Cocktail Bar because we've done a good yes. job. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> It was it it was a fantastic time, you know. Um, Baba Fields. Was so we electric. we loved it. We we loved it, Bruce. That uh, as we were young, like I said, you know, when you won and you guys came into Marisha, we loved the fact that here is this white man who was not uh, scared of coming into the townships and you mingled with people. Walk me through what what went through your mind as you were doing that stuff. Well, you see, the thing is, as my mother said, you know, treat people like uh, as people. You know, not mm. not of color, and if you if you are compassionate to others, be compassionate to others, and that yeah. means every every person. You know, we're all on yeah. this earth together, and we have to we, we have to live together. So be compassionate to every everybody that you see, unless someone does something to you, then you can stand back and. Uh, Hold on a minute. He's not a good man. Mm. That's mm. how my mother brought me up. Mm. Wow, that's that's a solid way of being brought up. So you left high when you left Highlanders. Had you already started playing for the national squad or or what? Talk talk to me about that. Yes, the national squad was uh, picked by Jack Meager. He was the national coach, and I I remember. Uh, he was the national coach for about two years. I was in the I was in the military then, and I was called up for the uh, for the national team in the game against South Africa. Mm. And it was the, at the end of my two years. And so when I got to the training ground there at the uh, Rufaro Stadium in in now Harare, um, Jack Meager looked at me and said, "Oh, no, no." You haven't played for two years. You're not going to be playing. Wow. So I had a I had my uh, pass from the army, and it said that I could be out of the army until uh, after the game, until they got back from Johannesburg on the Sunday, and then Monday morning I can go zero five hundred hours to get get to the barracks. Yeah. So what what I did is I went to South Africa on my own steam, 
and I went to Durban City to see if they wanted me when I came out of the army. Mm. And so I went there, and then I went back to Johannesburg to watch the game, <laughs> where Rhodesia got beaten seven nil. And and I remember Which... sitting behind sitting behind the the, the bench, and there was another uh, footballer, the Iron Man, Graham Boyle. Mm. He, was, he was he was on the bench, and Jack Meager told him in about the seventieth minute to warm up, and. He looked at me, he turned around and looked at me, and I said, no, don't. They're losing 7-0. <laughs> so he, he, he turned to Jack Mega and he said, no, you got yourself into this mess, so you get yourself out, and he sat down again. <laughs> and that was the end of Jack Mega. When he came back to Rhodesia, they, they fired him, and they put uh, John Rugg in, in charge. Right. And, the second, wow. and, then, and then the second game, I played at the Rafaro Stadium. We drew 1-1. One, one. Wow. What yeah. a story. I, I love this story, Bruce. I absolutely love them. And then you, um, let's let's take a break there, uh, Bruce. We'll, we'll come back. And uh, when we come back, uh, please don't go away. We're going to go uh, with uh, Bruce as he changes to, to go and play, play for Liverpool. So see you on the other side. I've looked at uh, how, this, uh, how the journey of uh, Zimbabwean football has gone. And it, uh, it depresses me so much that an administration called Zifa mm. can actually go on a journey and destroy the lives of footballers in Zimbabwe with uh, corrupt uh, and greed. And it, it breaks my heart because Zimbabwe have got the most talented players. Imagine getting free access to the Newsday, the Standard, the Zimbabwe Independent, and the Weekly Digest for a full month. Well, you can, and all you need to do is download the Newsday e-reader app on Google Play Store or scan the Newsday QR code in any of the AMH print publications and start enjoying the quality content. Welcome back to our conversation with uh, Bruce Grobler, retired uh, professional footballer, uh, a consultant and and a coach. So Bruce, you leave um, Highlanders to go and join um, Liverpool. I like the story because you get to uh, play for, just tell us the story. Um, you you go on a trial of some sort. You visit friends, and and this opportunity opens up. Walk us through the exact details, uh, Bruce. Well, Trevor, it took me a long, long time, you know, uh, to get to uh, where I wanted to go to to get to Liverpool. Um, I was fishing in in uh, I think it was a Malimi Dam, and there was a cormorant sitting on a rock. Yeah, and I said that that bird looks like that uh, bird that. Uh, football team in England has got Liverpool. Mm. So I thought, yeah, I, I like I like that bird, you know. So I started to follow Liverpool. And I moved from Durban City because I had to get out of South Africa because they were going to put me in the army and send me to Angola. Again? Mm. Yeah. 
So I went to West Bromwich Albion. I couldn't get a work permit. And then on the last day before I came back, the assistant manager, Colin Addison, said, listen, I don't care what you do. Beg, borrow, or steal a vehicle. Get yourself to Derby County because there's a, a coach from Vancouver who wants a goalkeeper in Vancouver. So I went up to Derby County, did the two hours with him and you know his exercises and his goalkeeping techniques. And in the end, yes, he wants to sign me. So I signed for Vancouver Whitecaps. And so I was in Vancouver. I came back to the UK for Christmas. I went back to Vancouver. And that was the start of the journey. I had three games in the first season at uh, in Vancouver, playing the reserve games. And in those three games, I played against Pele, Beckenbauer, and Johan Cruyff in three different games. Wow. wow. And we won two and lost one. And he turned, the manager turned, turned, turned to me, Tony Waiters. He said in Vancouver, listen, I'm going to send you to the strongest team in the English league. So I said, oh, Liverpool. He said, no, you're going to crew Alexander <laughs> because they're 92nd in the football league. They're holding everybody up. Wow. On the bottom of the fourth <laughs> division. So <laughs> they're that the strongest was my, because they're the bottom. Yeah, that's the strongest, yeah. So he, I played 24 games for crew. And on the very last game of the season, Bob Paisley and Tom Saunders came to watch me. Yeah. And they only watched the warm-up. And then 12 weeks later, I was signed with Liverpool for a record for a goalkeeper at £250,000. Was that a month? or That was a monthly wage, eh? No, no, no. £250,000 was my... They bought me from oh. Vancouver for yeah, quarter right. of a okay. yes, yes. which was a yes, record. Okay. Yeah. And, and my monthly wage... Was four hundred and fifty pound a month. Wow! Yeah, how things have changed, Bruce. Yes. And if I if I get a clean sheet, I get a bonus, twenty pounds. What would be the bonus? What twenty the pounds. Bonus? Twenty pounds. Wow! Wow! <laughs> <laughs> we are we are laughing, but when you look at where we are now and where you where, where what the times that you're talking about, that's uh, chalk and cheese, isn't it, Bruce? Yeah, my 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 top wage at uh, at Anfield was uh, one thousand two hundred pound a week. That was when it went up to, and my top wage uh, overall in my career was at Southampton at uh, two thousand one hundred pound a week. Wow, Bruce, what goes through your mind when you look at? these figures that these young people are being paid at the, at the moment right now? Trevor, you see, the thing is, I lived my life with a great, great uh, time. I had a great time and the wages was, was just, just as good. What I did with my wages, I, I only spent half of them. And the other half I put on the, in the, into a pension. And that is what I did for right through my career. Half of my wages went into a pension. Hmm. And the pension is the one that looks after me now. So it was very, very wise words uh, that I was given that 
I should put half into a pension. That was given to me by Harry Weir, who used to coach uh, Durban City and Amazulu. Mm. And so what I see about the wages today in the youngsters, you've got the youngsters that have, some of them are educated and some of them are not. Now, the educated ones should be okay with their, their, their money. But the uneducated are the ones that you're going to have to look at and try and help because they don't know what to do with their money. So what would you say, Bruce, to young uh, people right now all across the world on the continent looking to go to sign deals uh, in, in Europe, in Spain, in, in, in the UK? What advice would you give to them? What would be your do's and don'ts? I would say take off of the money and put it in a, into a pension for when you get older and when you can look after your family. Mm. It's mm. the advice that was given to me all those many years ago, which I did and I'd, uh, he- I adhered to. And I have still got my pension. Thank goodness. Mm. So that's, the, that's as it relates to the money. What about this lifestyle, Bruce? Because I hear a lot of young kids go out there, they're 17, they're 18, 19, there's mental issues, uh, they're lonely and, and so forth. What did you encounter and what advice would you give to, to the young people listening to you right now on those matters? Trevor, I couldn't give them uh, the, 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 me- the mentorship that I had. You see, the thing is, for me, uh, being in a bush war for two years and then coming out the other side and then going to play football, a sport that I loved and to get paid for it, that was a dream come true. Mm-hmm. And every day, every every morning that I wake up, I, I go, wow, I'm alive. And that is a new day for me. Because mm-hmm. the two years in the conflict, you didn't know if you were going to come out alive on the other side. Wow. And it's a blessing that I have. I came out relatively unscathed. And so it was just inside my head that I had Mm. the the traumatic uh, experiences. And when when you look at it, and what my mother uh, said to me, she said, if you have any tragedies in life, you must go and revisit those tragedies where they are, which will get rid of those demons. So in my football career, I've had Heisel. I've been back to Heisel. Mm. With uh, the Hillsborough, I went and played for Sheffield Wednesday. So I, I conquered those, those times at Hillsborough. Mm. But in Africa, Zimbabwe, mm. I've still got two places to go. Mm. I've got to go there to get rid of those demons. And I will do it. Which places are those, Bruce? That's the Gonorra Zoo and the Hondi Valley. Mm. I've, mm. I, I will go back there. There by the uh, tea, the tea plantations, the Katia Tea Estate, and the other one in, uh, in Gonorra Zoo. I will go and revisit those places by the Sabi. So mm. I know that those journeys are, are going to be conquered, and I will be okay. For the rest of my that's life. Part, that's, that's part of your healing process, Bruce. That is part of my healing process, yeah. Mm. yeah. Wow. Wow. Talk, talk to me now, Bruce. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Bruce. Sorry. 
there, there are other there are other healing processes to actually conquer here as well, and that is in the football of Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. Talk to and, me about that. Well, I've I've looked at uh, how this uh, how the journey of uh, Zimbabwean football has gone, and it uh, it depresses me so much that an administration called Zifa. Mm can actually go on a journey and destroy the lives of footballers in Zimbabwe with uh, corrupt um, and greed. And it, it breaks my heart because Zimbabwe have got the most talented players on the SADC Africa. I know this because they are intelligent, and they know their football. And it doesn't matter, even if you go around grassroots football in Zimbabwe now, you will find beautiful, beautiful talent with the youngsters that have got a brain that they know football. And how, for, how, 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 do you think, how do you think you're going to be able to heal that process? I mean, I agree with you. Zifa is broken. I mean, I've had um, uh, Nigel Munyati, who you might know on this show, and, uh, you know, Nigel, um, you know, spoke about corruption in football, corruption in Zifa. How, do you have any ideas in terms of how, how this can be fixed, Bruce? Well, listen, we, we, we work in the diaspora, and I work with uh, Kennedy Chihuri because yeah. he's over here. I gave him his, his first cap, and we, we talk about uh, the diaspora actually helping out in the, in the quest for us to find someone to go and sit on the board uh, of Zipa. Mm. And I said, well, why can't you actually have someone from the diaspora running Zimbabwean football? Because most of the players do not play in Zimbabwe. They play outside. Mm. Mm. So mm. if the players are outside, why can't the administration be outside and looked after by the people from outside? Would you be able to, to? Would you want to to play a role in that uh, rehabilitation of uh, Zifa as as Bruce Grobler? I would like to go on one last journey as the coach of Zimbabwe. Wow! For the twenty twenty six World Cup, I would love to take the the uh, the national side with a team of coaches with me to go back and help them get to the World Cup that they've never been to in their life, and that I can only do that if their administration is rock solid. Mm-hmm. And they is this don't... an idea that you've is this an idea that you've suggested to anybody or you're you're mentioning this now for the first time? No, I've mentioned it quite for quite some time. It's been about three years that I've mentioned it. I've actually got uh, Trevor Carell Jules. He he is interested in actually taking charge of Zifa for a short period to make sure that everything is running smoothly and then putting someone else in that is competent and is not wanting to put his hand into the where the money is. Mm. Uh, wh- I, what that. sense are you ge- what sense are you getting? Are you getting uh, people interested in that idea? There are a lot of people that are interested in yes. I'm sure that they are because the young people of Zimbabwe, the youngsters and who are good administrators are the ones that we need 
you you coached you you played as a player manager for for Zimbabwe. What was that experience, particularly in view of uh, what what we've just talked about right now? You wanting to come back and 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 coach uh, the team for twenty twenty six. I've coached and uh, played for Zimbabwe, and I know that for a fact. When in my time, I knew that the the administration was corrupt. Because uh, the chairman was taking half of the money that was uh, due to the team and the coaches. And uh, then the vice president took uh, the other half. So we were left with 5,000 uh, US dollars every single time that we went, went to play. And we had to beg, borrow, steal um, everything to, for us to get to places. So, in fact, we had a, a whip round for us to get to Cameroon and to the Sudan. And wow. we, had to, we had to get um, <clears throat> charter flights. And the charter flights were paid by the, uh, the con- uh, 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 Conservation Trust. All the people that looked, you know, looked after the animals in Big Falls and Wangi, they put the money in, and so we could get to our World Cup campaign. So, but the, fo- known, the football association was not able to pay for your for your trips. No, because the president has, uh, took half the money. Hmm. And in those wow. days, that's what they did. And, and I, I have come to find out that the organization. Zifa, for the Russian campaign, had stolen millions from FIFA, and then for the this last campaign, had stolen millions as well. Hmm. And that is so why a, that is why the Sports Council sacked Zifa hmm. Hmm. to try and find out where the money is. And it's a, it's FIFA a huge now, problem. And FIFA now t- turn around and say, no, you must reinstate some of, some of them. And how can they reinstate some of them who've taken their money? Mm. So there's a big problem. There's a big problem. Bruce, let's let's go to uh, your days, I mean, for a much more happier story, your days in Liverpool. Um, what, what, a, what a career, Bruce, you know, 1981 to 1994, 628 appearances, including 414 in the league, um, six league titles, three FA Cups, uh, three league Cups, and 1983, 1984, the European Cup. I mean, what, what an illustrious career, uh, Bruce. Talk to me about the highlights of that career for you. Well, the highlights of the career, Trevor, was actually signing for Liverpool. And it was a beautiful journey because I was asked <coughs> to sign, and then they gave me uh, uh, my work permit. Bob Paisley gave me my work permit, and he said, and and an air ticket to go to France. So he, gave, he gives me the air ticket to go to France, and I'm on I'm on the, this Zimbabwean passport, and I get to France. And I go to get out because I'm going to be staying with uh, one of the club's friends, a dentist, a big dentist man of, of Paris. So he says, right, you're going to go and stay with the dentist of Paris. 
when you get through, he'll take you to his home and then you stay one night and you get back on the aircraft the next day and you come back with your work permit. So you can show mm. the authorities you're coming out to work. Well, I get to mm. Paris. I get to Paris and I get to the the border control and he says, I'm sorry, you have got no visa. So I said, well, you can't come in, you haven't got a visa. So now I'm going to be put on the plane back. So I'm looking around and I, I, I said, all right, there's, the, there's a woman um, border control. I go to her. I'm sorry, you haven't got a visa. So I turn around and I look. And then there's, there's a young lady coming there with a, now with a South African passport. So I said, well, ma'am, can I ask you, uh, did you have a visa coming in? She said, no. If you just go around the corner here, you can go to that little little window, and you can buy a you can buy a, a a visa for forty francs. So I bought my own visa to get into Paris, and it was a twenty four hour shopping visa. So I went in there with a forty franc visa. Yeah. Next day, I flew back to Liverpool. And that was when uh, it was officially said that I signed on the 17th of March, 1981. Fantastic. The, the, the scenes are in the background that we never get to know. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for sharing. Bruce, we're going to take a, a, a short break again here. Um, no at problem. home, please don't go away. We'll be back. And uh, I'm going to be asking Bruce about uh, the uh, consequences of uh, the alleged match-fixing match scandal. So see you on the other side. I'm Zimbabwean. They gave me, uh, they taught, that is where I first learned to play football. It's a country that I grew up in. It's a country that I love. It's a country that is very, very special in my heart. And for me, that is the greatest honor that I could have given to my country to play for them and to coach them. Welcome back to our conversation with uh, Bruce Grobler, retired uh, professional footballer, um, coach, and uh, media uh, football consultant. Bruce, so you cross over from France. You now have your uh, work permit, and and you start this illustrious career. Um, you were. It, it, I was just. It was amazing reading that the way you used to play as goalkeeper at that time. People are looking at at it now and saying that is what we now call the sweeper goalkeeper. But you did it uh, 30, 40 years ago. Listen, Trevor, it, it happened at Liverpool way before my time. Um, when it was uh, the great Bill Shankly that actually said, yeah. to the, he said to the goalkeeper that he had in goal at the time, which was a chap called Tommy Lawrence, who, who was nicknamed the Flying Pig. He said... He said to uh, Tommy, Tommy, son, when you come on to a one-on-one, -on -one, try and tackle him outside of the area because you're giving away too many penalties. 
So tackle him outside the area so you can have a wall in front. Maybe that will yeah. help you. So, so that's how we started as a sweeper-keeper with a high line as a yeah. goalkeeper. And, yeah. and it's never changed. It, Ray Clements took it on and played very, very simply out of the back. You know, and Pep, Pep Guardiola thinks he's uh, reinvented the wheel here. But we were doing, <laughs> we were doing it in those days long before this, uh, you know, playing out from the back. So, yeah, Liverpool, my training sessions at Liverpool, I never went in goal. Mm. I was a striker and a midfielder in, in five-a-sides every single day. Mm. I only had 20 minutes on a Thursday for shooting. That's it. Most of the time you were playing inside. Yes, I was playing outside. I was a sweeper. I even said to Ian Rush one day, hey, Ian, this is how you score, son. Boom. <laughs> you have and, scored a professional goal, isn't it? You scored once, isn't it? Yes, I scored one for Crew Alexander against York City on the 3rd of May, 1980. Around about 4.50 p.m. Oh, but how you, you used to give us uh, Tommy X and Shivas Bruce when you left your line to go and tackle um, uh, you know, uh, strikers, you know, some of us would, would, would start shouting, you know, why is it doing that? Why is it doing that? Because you did, you did make a couple of mistakes, didn't you? Oh, I made, uh, listen, I wouldn't say a couple, Trevor, I made probably plenty of mistakes. But, you know, this is, this is how it, it was. If they wanted you to play that, uh, that sweeper keeper role, you have to, you have to take uh, chances. And if you can get to the ball quicker, quicker than the striker, then, then deal with it. So talk to me now, Bruce, about one uh, fate, a big mistake rather, that you made whilst playing in the field. Do you remember one incident of that sort? And secondly, the most exciting save. I mean, for me, at Baba Fields, when you dive and change in midair, you know, I still have those memories. Talk to me about the, the big mistake you made uh, whilst a player, whether in Zim or uh, overseas. Well, the biggest mistake I've, I've, I've had uh, was probably in playing for Liverpool. Yeah. We played Egypt at home. Sorry, yeah. away from home. We played Egypt away from home. And we uh, we lost by 1-0. Yeah. So we thought, wow, the, the second leg, we've got a chance because we're going to take them back to Rofaro. And we we will have the crowd behind us. And oh, that to... was the national football, uh, the the football side, the national squad, Bruce, isn't it? Not yeah, Liverpool, yeah, yeah. national squad. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. That was yeah. We we played in Egypt, and now I've come yeah. back. I've come back, and I'm thinking, well, the the game is on in 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 a week's time, and on the weekend, we played against Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. Now, Okay. Now we go. Now we go. Now and and I'm I'm I know that on Sunday we're going to be playing against Egypt. Mm. So I've organised an aircraft, a small aircraft from Speak Airport, to take me to Gatwick. And I've organised a, a a taxi to take me from the ground to Liverpool Airport to take me. Right, that's on the Sunday yeah. after the after the game. I've got to get off the pitch quickly and get changed. And before the game starts, Joe Fagan says to me, 
Chris, uh, who plays in goal when you when you can't play for Zimbabwe? I said, yeah. I said, oh, my, my understudy is Lucky Dubi. Mm-hmm. At that time, he was. And then there was another one, uh, Brenna Masiska. Yes, Brenna Masiska. Yeah. So those are the two people. He's, uh, he, he goes, yeah, okay. And he walks away. Now, that was on the Friday. Yeah. So I'm thinking, well, oh, in those days, the, the aircraft come in on a Friday and leave on a Saturday. Yeah. So he said this at around about 12 o'clock on the Friday. Mm-hmm. So we go have our dinner. And at dinner, he says to me again, uh, Bruce, what was the name of the goalkeeper that, uh, that plays for Zimbabwe when you don't play? <laughs> I said, uh, it's, I, I think it'll be Lucky Doobie or Brenda Masiska. He says, okay. The next morning, he says it again, before the game. And I'm thinking, well, what's, what's he on? What's he? Yeah. So we go and play against Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. Second half, I come out of the area. I've intercepted a, 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 a pass, taken it off the striker's foot, and then I've gone up two paces and I'm going to curl this ball with my left foot to Alan Kennedy. Yeah. And as I've done this, Imre Varadi has intercepted the ball and gone round me from 35 yards. He's put the ball in the back of the net. <laughs> so we lose the game 2 1. I get off the pitch, I go and get a shower, quickly change. Out I go, into the taxi, boom, on the plane, over, we're flying over England, going over Nottingham, and the, the pilot goes, uh, this is Alpha, Alpha Charlie Bravo 1-2, um, calling Gatwick Airport. Uh, we, I'm going to request Tarmac transfer to UN seven two five, Zimbabwean Airlines, and the control tower comes back. It says UN seven two five. Sorry, uh, Charlie Bravo uh, Alpha UN seven two five. It blew an engine on landing yesterday. It's not going anywhere. There's not going to be a plane going to, to Zimbabwe. <laughs> So I look at him and he looked at me and he says, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, take me back. So they turned the aircraft back, took me back to uh, Liverpool. I get down, get in a taxi, go back to the ground to get my keys for my car. And as I go walk into the dressing room, there's the three coaches sitting there. And Joe Fagan said to me, Bruce, uh, tell me that uh, you weren't on an aircraft going to Gatwick without telling us. I said, yes, I was. He said, it's a good thing that that plane had blown an engine yesterday. Uh, If you had got on another plane to go to Zimbabwe, you would never play for Liverpool again. He knew that the aircraft had blown an engine. So I said to him, well, why didn't you tell me? He said, uh, no, I just wanted to see what you were going to do about it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. So that was a practical that, joke. That is the biggest mistake. Oh, yeah, that, they, they do that all the time. That was the biggest mistake I made with Liverpool. He said, wow. if, if you had gone on that another plane, 
you would have been sacked by Liverpool. Wow. So I, I think you, you, I, I think, also get the sense, I also get the sense that sort of bridge to cut you there that your your insistence actually to pre, to play for um Zimbabwe got into trouble because you created a, a, a place for was it David James or somebody? Yeah, David James was my understudy at that time. It was first of all, it was Mike Hooper, and yeah. then, when, then when Graham Souness became a manager, he bought David James, and he actually said, um, he he actually said, "I want you to teach David James how to become a Liverpool uh, goalkeeper." So I said, "Fine," and the the date was the sixteenth of August. 1992. Yeah. The 16th of August, 1992 was a Sunday. It was a Saturday, sorry. On the Sunday, oh, sorry, on, on, it, was a sun, it, was, it was a Sunday, 16th of August, 1992. Why do I know about it? It's because mm. Nottingham Forest were asked, do they want to play on the Sunday? And Brian Clough said no. They asked Graham Souness, do you want to play on a Sunday? He said, yes. Now, if we had played on a Saturday, I would have flown by helicopter by, uh, from um, East Midlands Airport to Gatwick to get on the plane to get to Zimbabwe for the Sunday. Mm-hmm. Well, now that the game is on the Sunday, Graham, Graham Souness came to me and he said, uh, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to play for my country. Wow. Ed, I thought I told you you must you my number one goalkeeper. I said, yes. Had you played this on Saturday, I could have done both. And now that you've put it on the sun, Sunday, I'm going back to play for my country. So mm-hmm. I went back and played for my country. And I never played for another 10 games. Wow. Talk to me, Bruce, about wh- why did you feel so strongly about playing for your country? Why? Where, 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 where did that come from? Trevor, I'm, I'm Zimbabwean. They gave me, uh, they taught, that is where I first learned to play football. Mm. It's a country that I grew up in. It's a country that I love. It's a country that is very, very special in my heart. And for me, that is the greatest honor that I could have de- uh, given to my country to play for them and to coach them. And in Zimbabwe, a way, like I say, like I said, Bruce, that um, from my reading opened the way for David James. And uh, uh, in an, in a way, from what I read, I read. Correct me if I'm wrong. It started the end for you, and you ended up going to Southampton. Am I right? That is correct. Um, I. I played that next uh, 1991-92 season. Uh, Then the next year, 93-94, and I left in 94. Uh, I was with Graham Souness for about 18 months. And it was a a very, uh, I wouldn't say hostile, it was just a very awkward uh, situation because... Graham Souness was wanting to be authoritarian like he used to play football mm. and not looking at uh, the, the whole aspect of uh, 
playing for your country. Because mm. I, I argued with him once to say, you would go back to play for Scotland mm. if you had in the same situation. So, and I argued the fact that because it's from Zimbabwe point of view, Zimbabwe is nothing. And Scotland is great. And I said, no, when you play for your country, you play for your country because you love it. Wow. Wow. That, that pulls at my uh, heartstrings there, Bruce. Um, well done. Well done for that. But you are still a favorite at uh, Anfield, uh, 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 Bruce. You were voted number 17 on a poll of uh, 100 players who shook the cop. I mean, that must still give you uh, some, some, uh, some excitement. Yeah, it'll give me some excitement. And I know that number 17 will go to number 19 or 18, 19, 20 when there's new players coming in. So it is it is what it is. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. The, the people of, uh, of Liverpool will have the pool every year and they'll vote who they, they want in. And yes, and for me to be number 17 out of 100, it's a great honor. Absolutely. Let's yeah. go to a painful point place now, um, Bruce, which is uh, the, the match-fixing allegations and the way yeah. that that whole thing ended. I mean, I'm not going to go get into that because it's a, it's a legal minefield. But the, the, what I want to extract from you, Bruce, is um, any regrets? What lessons did you get from, from that? Trevor, I've got no regrets. The only regret that I'd ever have is uh, meeting a person that... Uh, told me that he was my army colleague mm. in my partner in Chris Vincent. Mm. He told me that he was the uh, captain on in 2RER. And then when he gave me his uh, a book of uh, Andre Dennison's War Diaries, the commander of 2RER, I read it thoroughly and I found out that Chris Vincent went into active service in 2RAR in 1978. I had come out of the army in 1977. Hmm. So that was the start. And when he stole 450,000 pounds of my money, and the money was supposed to go into uh, an account for another gentleman we were buying a... Uh, game camp off, then I knew that I was in trouble. Mm. So it went on and on. It took me six to eight years to clear my name. And thankfully, I've, I've done that and achieved that. Well, what, what lessons have you learned from that? Uh, no, no regrets, but what lessons have you learned? Well, you have to look at people find out their background thoroughly before you even entertain and entertain them. Um, if a person wants you to go into business with them, find out what his background is first. Had I done that, then I wouldn't have, wouldn't have entertained um, what he was proposing. I would have gone on another journey. Probably I would have actually bought a, a, a wine estate in uh, Cape Town, which I was going to do in, in, initially. Mm. So that is the lesson that you that people learn. 
Yeah. Um, Bruce, let's go back to you were born. You were born in South Africa. Hey, T- talk to me about where you were born, uh, where you went to school and your, your, your early days and where you were brought up. Trevor, my mother and father were, they went from uh, Benoni, South Africa, to Durban because my, my father was a bus driver. My mother was uh, a little n- a nurse at that time. And my father got a job on the Rhodesian Railways. Just as I was, my mother was pregnant with me. Yeah. And uh, he left her there in Durban with my sister and and, uh, my mother. And he left and went up to uh, Sinoya, now Chinoy, to take over as the the station master there. Right. And when I was born, my mother said she will come to Rhodesia with me when when I'm old enough. Well, two months later, when I was born, two, at the age of two months old, we got on the train and we went to uh, Sinoya. Mm-hmm. Later to Salisbury, which is now Harare. And that's where I, I, I was, in the avenues in, in uh, Salisbury. I went, uh, you, went to, you went to Dev, David Livingston Primary School, eh? David Livington, Livingston Primary School. When I got to seven, my father went to South Africa to have an operation. So it, we went down there to Benoni again, and I went to Rhinefield uh, Primary Junior English School because there was a school. And then six months, eight months later, I came back to, we came back to Salisbury, now Harari, and I went back to David Livingston. My high school days, I started at Mount Pleasant. Then my mother left to go to Bulawayo, and I had to leave to go to Bulawayo with her. And that's when I went to Hamilton and joined uh, Matabele Land Island. Mm. Mm. Um, what, what a story. What a story, Bruce. Um, wh- what advice would you give to a 21-year-old Bruce Grobler? What advice, given what you've gone through? My goodness. I would give the advice that the, the youngster has got someone very, very close to him that is older than him just a mentor but part of family look at someone in your family that can help you have him mm-hmm. close her close if it's your mother take your mother if you if you have a look at great uh, footballers of the world ronaldo mm-hmm. his mother lives with him why mm-hmm. she keeps him grounded look at uh, messi his mother mm-hmm. is his father mm-hmm. Mother and father are still near him. He keeps him grounded. So it's mm. the if you can get someone to keep them grounded, that is the one thing that uh, advice I would give. Because when wow. you are and you are stable, you won't make silly decisions. Mm. And another, th- <laughs> another. So thing, go ahead, go ahead, Bruce. Yeah, put half your way or half your money away for a pension. I hope the young people are listening out there, Bruce. Put half of your salary every month towards your pension. Pension, yeah. 
Fantastic, fantastic. Bruce, um, what are you doing now? I mean, uh, just walk us through what you're doing now. What's, what's your, what, what's your uh, day like? My day, well, my, my, I married a nice, beautiful lady from Norway. She, she's a foster mother. She's got uh, five foster children. She's got three children of her own. She's compassionate, not for herself, but for others. And we, I go back and forth from Norway to here. I am a you game day ambassador. You're in Liverpool with... now, eh? Yeah. You're in Liverpool I, I, now. I go to I go to all the ga- home games, and I go in the corporate lounges and uh, show my face. So I'm a game day ambassador for Liverpool Football Club. Liverpool Football still... Club, three have only got three uh, paid ambassadors. That's John Barnes. Sir Kenny Dalglish and Ian Rush, and the rest we are we do the game days. Wow, that's so that's, Liverpool that's such look a look after us. Liverpool look after you. Yes, that's beautiful. Talk to me, uh, Bruce. I uh, I know they are waving. That is time up, but I'm, I must insist on asking you what it was like playing with uh, such uh, big coaches like. Um, um, I'm trying to look for Ray. I mean, you played with Ray Clemens, isn't it? But the coaches that I'm looking for, Bob Paisley, Kenny Douglas. What was it like playing with those? Uh, I mean, playing under those uh, amazing coaches and managers. Bob Paisley was a man that you couldn't understand, but he knew football inside out. He was one of uh, what well, is probably one of the best managers that the uh, UK have ever had. Joe Fagan. He only. Managed us two years, but to, for anybody to win five trophies in two years, he must be put on the highest pedestal. So Kenny Dalglish, what a man! What a mm. what a how! And I took inspiration on how he took from a from playing to play a manager to manage. How I did it with Zimbabwe was the same way, and. Mm. Other play, other managers that I've worked under that have been at the very top level is Reinhard Fabish. Fabish mm. for me was an inspiration to Zimbabwe, an inspiration to Zimbabwean players because of the way that he was. He loved he loved his players, and I took that into my heart. If ever I am a manager of Zimbabwe, I will do everything I can. For the players mm. and the players' welfare, not for the coaches. Bruce, yeah, Bruce. What message do you have to all those uh, Liverpool fans who are watching you right now? To those Highlanders fans who are watching you right now, who absolutely love you and adore you. What message do you have? I've just got a message. If you're a Liverpool fan, that thank you very much for being a Liverpool fan. If you're a Zimbabwean fan, thank you. At the bottom of my heart, you have made my journey be so, so happy in Zimbabwe. And if you're any other fan, made Arsenal, uh, Man United, continue to support your team, as well as all the Liverpool fans and as well as the Zimbabwean fans uh, support Zimbabwe. Just continue supporting your team because the rivalry is great. <laughs> I'm an Arsenal supporter, by the way, Bruce. So be careful now going on about Liverpool, eh? 
<laughs> Trevor, Trevor, I know that you're an Arsenal supporter. I wasn't going to say something. <laughs> Bruce, I want us to have fun now. I've got a fun game that I want us to play, okay? So okay. Um, what do you do? Do you do a gym in the morning or you have a run? What do you prefer? No, I go and play golf, 18 holes, charring a ball called damn it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. What's your favorite city in the whole world? City in the whole it's got to be, listen, I'm going to tell you that I've been to many, many cities in the world. The top six for me, Vancouver, yeah. Liverpool, yeah. yeah, Barcelona, yeah, Sydney, yeah, and Cape Town. Fantastic. I love, I love the, I, I love wish Cape Town. I, I wish I could have put a, you know, one of uh, the Zimbabwean cities there, but you know, in, in my dear heart, the whole of Zimbabwe is beautiful. Absolutely. What's your favorite Zimbabwean food, Bruce, if any? Ah, what? Mine. Sadza and Muzondo. <laughs> Sadza and Muzondo. Muzondo and Sadza. Anytime. Any... Yes. The Joker yeah, so... and the Queen. The Joker and the Queen. Hmm. Interesting. And uh, lastly, Bruce, um, as far as the fun game is concerned, who's your role model? My role model was my mother. But oh, in football, football my, my, my mother was my rock. Um, mm. She made my life so easy because she made us humble. Mm. How many were you, Bruce? Were you the only one? No, there were there were three of us. My sister and my brother. Yeah. Are they, and, are they alive? Uh, yes, they're all alive. My mother's not. Though. Uh, my sister's here in Ireland and my brother is down south in England. Well, and she, she was our rock. But in football, my father, he was a goalkeeper. And the managers that I've uh, told you about, those are my role models because of they they kept us grounded. Well, you, you've you've already said, Bruce, that your mother, you know, told you to to teach uh, to treat people um, as, as human beings. What other lessons did you get from your mom? Just to stay humble, mm. and and it doesn't it doesn't take anything to say please and thank you. Bruce, my dear brother, thank you so much for the honor that you've given us. Um, we wish you all the very best uh, in what you are doing right now. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure I speak on behalf of a lot of Zimbabweans all over the world in the diaspora. Uh, a lot of uh, Liverpool supporters throughout the world. Uh, we, we look up to you, man. You keep on doing what you're doing, eh? Thank you very much indeed. And to all the people out there in the diaspora who want to help Zimbabwean football, please come and help us. We need the help. We need all the help. Please get a hold of the sports minister, Kirsty Coventry, and express your desire to help the Zimbabwean national football team because it's about the players, not the politics. Trevor, thank you very much. Bruce, thank you so much. Um, remain where you are, Bruce, and allow me to thank our viewers who are all over the world who follow this show on a weekly basis. Remember, we premiere on YouTube at 7 a.m. Central African time every Monday. 
To ensure that you don't miss out on any of these quality conversations like the one I've just had now with Bruce Grobler, remember to press on this button and subscribe, like, and share. We have all the shows are on, on, pod, on podcast for your listening pleasure. Go to our website, click for your listening pleasure. Until next time, thank you for watching and cheers.